Fed up with the fact checkers constantly labeling all of your posts as misinformation, missing context, or just straight up false when you know for a fact that it's not? Well, come check me out. I'm Justin over at the Fact Check This Podcast. I cover all of the shit that the fact checkers get wrong, plus general topics of the day and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. So come check it out. Fact Check This Podcast. You won't be disappointed. Taking a stand for your rights, your liberties, and all the bullshit in between. You're listening to Break the Bell Podcast. Alright, it is that time again. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. File in, find your seats, get yourself comfortable, because it is time for this live show on the Break the Bell Podcast. Hello, beautiful bell breakers. It is good to be here in this nice, cozy basement it is it is good it is good how are you doing i'm good how about yourself i am doing good are you good, did you good. recover from yesterday's uh tragic loss I, I i did yeah it wasn't you know it wasn't that tragic it, it's what is expected you know it's like when you're a sports fan you, you you look for that miracle moment but nine times out of ten it just is what they predicted to be Which, so what would you say the the Steelers had a one percent chance of winning that I, I, if that's, that that's not very if good that odds. no no so I you know the first quarter when they got out and it was like zero zero mm-hmm. you know or even when the Steelers scored first I was like uh, maybe and I was like no stop it stop, stop. It. you know this isn't gonna happen stop getting my yeah, hopes exactly up exactly just uh shoot uh, one of my favorite uh, motivational sayings is, uh, if you shoot for the moon, you'll miss every time. If you aim for the ditch, you'll hit it every <laughs> single damn time. So if you have low expectations for your sports team, they might <laughs> surprise you. I, but if you come yeah, out thinking, okay. you know, they might be able to do this. They're, nine times out of ten, they're going to yeah, But, but you. to be honest, I, I, you know, I thought they were going to get beat by the Browns That's Monday true. night. They beat the Browns. I thought they were going to get beat by the Ravens. They beat the Ravens to go to the playoffs. And so, you know, they, 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 they tease you that way, though. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's know. to keep you coming. Yes. I, yeah, I, it is. As much as I love, like, pro baseball, like MLB mm-hmm. I watch, I, I still think, to a large extent, um, professional sports is, to a certain point, rigged. Yeah. I, rigged I, for I, viewership, I rigged for, uh, um, you know, like, uh, towards certain teams that, like when I I honestly think the Cubs were supposed to win. What was the year that uh, from Back to the Future that they were supposed to oh, go to the World uh, Series? Was that was it 2015? I I think so. Yeah, yeah. and I I really think they were actually supposed to go that year because of Back to the Future. Huh. And it was looking that way. The Cubs were on their first like really good streak in yeah a, what a century yeah and um they I mean. There's still that human error involved. Even even if sports are rigged, there's still that uh, yeah. somebody drops a ball that they weren't supposed to drop. Somebody misses a pass they weren't supposed yeah. to in football. You know, so they, they can only fake so much. Right. So, right. Um, they ended up inevitably not 
winning the World Series that year, not going to the World Series. But the next year, they're like, okay, we're going to have to give it to them next year because they're yeah. supposed. It's kind of like Hillary Clinton; she was supposed to have it in 2016, right. so they're probably going to give it to her in 2024. <laughs> You think? Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. How's everybody doing out there? We got on a tangent. Yes. Immediately on yes. a tangent. Yes. Well, uh, you, you started off with, with um, you know, going, asking about football, and that's mm-hmm. automatically. Obviously, so, that's immediately getting yes. us on a tangent. Yes. So we need to do like a bonus episode just on a, yeah. talking about sports. Oh, I, I could go on and on and on. When, when we started this, we, we had said yeah. that when we were like talking about how the format of our podcast and stuff. We're like on on weeks where there's not a lot going right, on. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into we'll like pop sports, culture, maybe some, some movies. Sports. Yeah, yeah. And that's that hasn't no, happened no, at all. Not, not since not once. we started. <laughs> no, because we started in the midst of the yeah start of the, the COVID nineteen pandemic, and yeah, then exactly. George Floyd on top of that. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, we started in the fire. Yeah, so so we haven't had a chance really to no, have a sports no, episode. No. So we, we might have to push that to bonus. Or yes. maybe we'll do a third episode a week <laughs> that's sports, sports hour. Yeah. Sports, yes. movies, and pop culture. But, but, but since we're there, I'm just going to say real quick All right. that and most likely um, the Steelers quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, will retire this year. It has been uh, a pleasure watching him play. Um, I've always enjoyed watching him play. He's one of those guys that makes every game interesting. All right. And so um, so he'll be missed. Um, there's not a lot of quarterbacks out there that are gunslingers anymore. You know, a lot yeah. of them are just by the book, you know, pay <laughs> – Play them, you know, short passes, sure. whatever. But so it's always fun watching somebody who just goes balls sh- out. Are you going to shed a tear for Ben when he leaves? No, no. But but you know, maybe his Hall of Fame speech, I will. So right, I, I, I did enough. a little bit for Bet- Jerome Bettis when he went into the Hall of Fame. I gotcha. So let's get into this episode. Before we do, obviously, yes. we got to mention our sponsors. Yes, our favorite coffee slinging. Company, freedom slinging, <laughs> coffee slinging company. I like that freedom slinging. Run your mouth coffee. I mean, they're. I mean, they're just slinging coffee and freedom they all are. over us, all over our Absolutely. faces, all over, <laughs> all over everybody. This is taking a turn. <laughs> Visit our favorite coffee freedom slinging company, Run Your Mouth Coffee at rymcoffee.com. They are a delicious, fresh roasted. Yes, delivered straight to your door. Uh, their their product is amazing. Their their morals are amazing, which you don't usually get the two in one. No, the very, two for one rarely. combo yeah. where you have a good product mixed with good like background, good moral background. Right. Um, people that actually support your rights, support the the values that we yeah. support, like being able to just sit here for two and a half hours a week plus and just talk shit about everything and anything without being yeah. censored. They support that, and so we should support companies. That make a good product and support those values that, that Absolutely. we follow. So uh, go to rymcoffee.com. Tell them we sent you by using that promo code. Once again, break the bell. All one word, no spaces. You'll get 10% off your, your order plus free shipping. Go to it. Order coffee. Get freedom slung all over your face. <laughs> and enjoy it. And you you will enjoy it. Feel or- the sling, taste the freedom. Yes. That's all. <laughs> rymcoffee.com. This week is interesting because we have, in less than three weeks now, uh, the the coveted Olympic Games are coming up. Do people still watch the Olympic Games, first of all? I, I mean, is it what I it used to be? I don't think so. No. I remember no. the 90s, like yeah. every, 90s, early 2000s. Everybody. I was going to say, two, early 2000s, I remember like that big gymnast group, you know, that well, everybody's talking about. 
first the '90s there was uh, that we're all sexually assaulted. Well, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, well, in the '90s it was all the Tanya Harding stuff, so oh, everybody yeah. had eyes. Figure skating, that was yeah. probably a setup just to get people's eyes on right, the Olympics. Yeah. And you had the Dream Team. Don't forget the oh, Dream yeah. Team. Yeah. And then in the 2000s, you had the the World Gymnast yeah. Team. There was that Iowa chick. I don't remember her oh, name. Yeah. Uh, Sean Johnson. There you go. It? And then you had Michael Phelps and oh, people yeah. like that. Yep. Which more people I yeah. think watched the summer than the Olympic. Or yeah. Than the winter. My yeah. my mom. I've talked about this before. Was into figure skating, so mm-hmm. we always watched the Olympics. And my dad was into the skiing stuff, so we were always watching the Winter Olympics. Yeah. But um, we got that coming up. And for the first time in history, one city gets to host both the Summer and Winter Olympics. This is the first time in Olympic history that this has ever happened. Mm. And that happens to be Beijing, China, no yeah. less. You know, the, the, the great uh, example set for right. society of what we should be yeah. as a world. Right, what to strive for. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that out of reach, just barely out of reach goals yeah. that they set up for us that that's beijing that's china and they get the pleasure of hosting it once yeah. again and so i got to thinking you know i i think we've talked about before how i we've mentioned in passing china we talked about taiwan yeah. and obviously china got mixed mm-hmm. in with that and we've talked hong about kong yeah hong kong uh, we've mentioned the stuff with the Uyghurs and yeah, the right. tibetans and all that stuff yep. We haven't done like a full fledged. Let's dig into freaking China here no, because we, we said we have both said I think that the 2008 Olympics were kind of um, China's uh, symbolic to them yeah. entering the it's world stage. Kind of their them they're coming out. Yeah, party. it was their their springboard into yeah. the world stage. It was their coming out party, yeah. uh, like you said. So um, now they're doing again. So. What do you suppose that symbolizes? Right. Yeah. To me, it symbolizes, and I'm going to get into all the freaking reasons. I got, a, I got like loads of notes of all the reasons. But to me, it symbolizes China taking its position as the top of the world stage now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can absolutely see that. And I think that there's some um, correlation there because, you know, we just, you know, we're, we're still in, in, I think we're at the tail end of the pandemic at this mm-hmm. point, right? But I really think Which, there's... Where'd that come from again? Oh, uh, what was it, it was um, the place... China? was Holy damn, I didn't even think that. What a coincidence. Yes. Anyways, um, so I think there's correlation there because I, now that uh, there's been kind of an upturn and you see this world kind of... The world kind of pushing towards it. You know, we've talked about the Great Reset before. Right. And I, I think... There, there's going to be a move because by 2030, I had read that um, China is poised to overtake the United States as I economically. I think it's going to be well. They said that the that. pandemic actually kind of sped up the the mm-hmm. timeline, so they're three years ahead of the timeline at least. And three so, years. Um, and so, I, I really see that. I think the world is really going to try to um, become Chinaized. China, Chinaized, not, not Chinaized, Chinaized. Yeah, not not Americanized, like Chinaized. Okay. And so I, I really see that. Um, just look at that. You know, look at the every China being the influence of of culture and, and economic prosperity in the world. Shannon says, "Hey guys, stopping in for a quick hi. I'll be back in a bit." Shannon, hi, hurry. Shannon. Thanks for saying hi. Thanks for stopping in. It's good to have you. The last three four weeks on yeah. and and. 
participating in the comments. Absolutely. Make sure you come back quickly because this is going to be fun. This is yeah. going to be an interesting episode, I think, anyway. I think and so, too. what you were saying, though, uh, I definitely see all that stuff. And I definitely, I kind of tend to wonder if it's – because you say, I think, in the future we're going to get there. I think it's been China – China's been in the works kind of making some deals yeah. on the side where – I think they're more there than we even think they're oh, I, there. Oh, I, I think so, too. And or the United States yeah. wants to think, no, assume that they're there. And I'm going to get into all this. We can't yeah. talk about everything in, right, the, right. in the intro. So we got to get into the show really yeah. fast. When we come back, we're going to be talking about China because why not? China does. I mean, I, Donald Trump got to talk about China for four plus years. Yeah. I mean, he, what, what the fuck did he do? Yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit about that too. I'm going to sure. talk about how all the presidents since like Clinton have handled China and how they, yeah. how we got to this point that we're at today. But we got to get into this intro video first. So when we come back, China, here we go. What did you say? Are you talking to me? What, what the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you saying? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. What did you say? Talk to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby! Did you just say? What did you say? You listen to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? Tell me more! You're the top! If you know what musical this song is from, Say it in the comments. I had it, but since I'm talking and it's playing in my ears, yeah, right. I, my brain can't process yeah. things yeah. because there's too much going on right now. Sure. China's, I think, poised, positioned to take their throne on top. Yeah. I think it's it's heading that way. I think it's been heading that way. Yeah. And a lot of these world organizations are aligning with that. Whether yeah. or not they're pushing China there or China's pushing them yeah. there is the question. But they are being positioned to be the top, which is yeah. hence, hence the music. It's interesting because um, a little while ago I had I had watched a, a documentary on um, on the art of war, mm-hmm. and uh, they were talking about how it was implemented throughout like military history, right? And they talked about Vietnam and how in Vietnam, you know, the the American generals were fighting the old war, you know, from like fighting it strategically, like they fought World War II, whereas the Vietnam generals were basically playing a game of go, mm-hmm. right? And I see that now. The United States, I think, has been playing the Cold War the old way, right? Yes. Trying to, to get their allies. It's so interesting that you're saying all these things really? because this is actually the direction my mind's going. Oh, is nice. That we've been playing so two-dimensional. Yes. And yes. China China is one of the oldest the, or right. uh, civilizations yes. in history. They know how yes. to play the long game. And, yes. and they're okay with playing Absolutely. the long game. And, and that's what they're doing. They're playing Go while we're playing checkers. Yeah, we've uh, been around. The, the amount of time the United States has been a country is like such a minute oh, yeah. blip Absolutely. on the radar compared to how long China has been yeah. a, a superpower in yeah. the world. Yeah. I mean, we had 
a century there in the 1900s mm-hmm. that they kind of took second stage to the United States. But yeah. I, I, I honestly see that the tide is shifting, mm-hmm. and I think the whole reasoning, you can say what you want of why the Olympics are going to be in Beijing again. I think the main reason is this to symbolize the shifting back yeah. Into China being on top, I can see that. And yes. so I want to get into that. Like, like I said in the intro, um, in three weeks, Beijing will be hosting the Olympics for the second time in less than fifteen years. The mm-hmm. second time, I think, fourteen years ago, two thousand eight was right. when they hosted the um, the the Summer Olympics, and it was an interesting enough. I never even put the two together. Is the rest of the world was in an economic. Yeah, meltdown at yes. the time, yep. and I'm sure China took a hit from it. Uh, yeah. but I'm sure they, just like COVID, just like everything else, they they use that to springboard Absolutely. themselves and position themselves. Yeah. It's interesting how China chose when the world is in such disarray economically to yeah. say, "Hey, we want to be a player in this game." Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because yeah, as I was studying up. It showed that, you know, what I saw was, yeah, 2008, the economic crisis, China really cemented it, its its place, like, economically, right? And they, they sure. really set their mental, um, th- their economic and, and um, political philosophy in place, being like, hey, we're better than the United States because of this, mm-hmm. right? This will not happen in, in China because of the way we do things. Right. And then this last year, after the pandemic, it further cemented that because China handled it worldwide view much better than the United States sure. did. So sure. by like basically decimating individual rights well, altogether. Right, but that's what they do. And that's what the ideal yes. way that they want the global response they want is yes. from like the WHO or the WEF and all these alphabet organizations. Yeah. They they want the China model. Yeah. And I'm gonna talk quite a bit about that. First I want to get into um, I we had like I said we proposed that 08 was their springboard, yeah. but this article here kind of backs that up. It's interesting. The title of this is "Burnt Doves and Multi-Million Dollar Performances: How Olympic Opening Ceremonies Have Evolved." There's only one point I want to take take away from this, but I just thought that was a really funny title. It is an interesting title. The reason for that title because they're they're talking specifically about um. Let me get rid of this freaking thing in front of our face. Um, they're talking specifically about like opening ceremonies and how the, how far they've come over mm-hmm. the last like 50, 40, 50 years. Apparently, in nineteen eighty eight, Seoul hosted the Olympics, yeah. and everything was going great. They released a bunch of doves. Then they went to light the torch, but a bunch of doves had perched on the oh, ma- no. the big torch, <laughs> and so when they lit it, it went up, and the doves didn't get out in time, and oh, there was wow. a bunch of incinerated doves. So. <laughs> That's besides the point. I just thought that was a hilarious fact. The point that I wanted to make in that is what it talks about here. It says, uh, because it's talking about all these standards basically now since then that the Olympic, the International Olympic Committee has put on the opening ceremony. Basically, you have free reign, but you got to follow certain guidelines. But it it says... uh, the standards also require the host country to present its plan for artistic program for the approval of the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, before bringing it to life. The program is often the jewel of the ceremony, allowing the host to broadcast its culture 
history and future hopes in front of the world. Mm -hmm. In 2008, Beijing Olympics opening ceremonies was quickly viewed as an important branding moment on the global stage for China, emphasizing its geopolitical ascent among international powers. So it's Mm -hmm. not just us saying this. Yeah. That was their their branding strategy was like, hey, guys, we're here. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the international stage now. Yeah. um, And we're not going anywhere. We're actually planning to move up in the ranks. So here we are. uh, Get used to it, basically. And now, 14 years later, they're back. Right. And I I, I don't think it's going to be in the same sentiment that they were, like the same mentality that they were in there. It's not like, hey, guys, we're here. It's, hey, guys, we're here. And we're here to stay. Yep. Hey, remember when we uh, promised that we weren't going anywhere? Yeah. We're we're at the top now. We, yeah. Here we are. We're yeah. we're at the yeah. top. Let let the United States talk, but we're actually doing. So, do you want to know how? Because my very first question when I heard Beijing was hosting it again, and I know we're getting old, so it time flies, and we're yeah. just like, what? Absolutely. Beijing just hosted the Olympics. Right. Then I got to think, oh, wait, that was that was fourteen years ago. That's right. a long freaking time that ago. But still, really. yeah, that's pretty. That's right. pretty fast for. Yeah. For one city to again, one city has never hosted both the Winter and Summer, summer right. Olympics yeah. before. So, how did Beijing get the Olympics again so quickly? This is uh, an article from NewsCenterMaine.com. So, not just News Center, but News Center Maine. Okay. So, I want to briefly get into this. It sounds like there's probably some shady shit. Mm-hmm. There's probably sh- some. I don't know, like greasing uh, of palms, greasing of palms, um, some bribery and stuff, yeah. some pushing that influence that China has worked so hard yeah. to push in the last twenty years. Yeah. So again, this is called "How did Beijing get the Olympics again so quickly?" It says Beijing hosted the Summer Olympics just fourteen years ago and will be the first city to host both the Summer and Winter Games. Here's how it happened: the Beijing. Winter Olympics open in just under two months. So this is back in December that this was posted. And are now the target of diplomatic boycott from the United States. Big, scary diplomatic boycott. I know. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, it's just going to dash their dreams. Absolutely. And people people say, oh, it might not sound like much, but... and It's not much. It's not, and... It's symbolic. I think it's... I think they're going to flip... The, the script on this. Oh, I think so, too. And I'm going to get into that once we go through the whole story. I'm going mm-hmm. to tell you why I think they're going to flip the script on this. It says, uh, uh, it goes on to say, so how did Beijing le- uh, land the Winter Olympics so soon after it was the host of the Summer Olympics in 2008? It will become the first city, blah, blah, blah. We've said this a couple times. The answer is simple. Potential cities in Europe, as many as six, dropped out of the bidding in the wake of the doping scandal in 2014 went to Olympics in so- Sochi, Russia. Do you remember mm-hmm. remember that whole dope, doping scandal? Yeah. Appar- apparently, several European cities dropped out, probably because huh. they were implicated or oh, were right. afraid of being implicated. Yeah. Says the widely advertised price tag for Sochi of $51 billion also frightened away future bidders. When it got down to the voting stage in 2015 in meeting... Meetings in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, the International Olympic Committee was left with only two candidates that wanted it at that by then, which was Beijing and Al- Almaty, Kazakhstan. That's interesting to me because can yeah. you imagine? No. <laughs> if 
it was ended up going to Kazakhstan. And what a, what did we just talk about last weekend right. about Kazakhstan? Huge civil unrest. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think they'd still be hosting the no. Olympics? No, I don't think so. No, it'd probably get canceled or something. Yeah. So it's probably for the best that it didn't happen in Kazakhstan. Right. But that's interesting to me that nobody, no United States at all. No, huh? None says Beijing won narrowly 44 to 40, a close vote that was marred by what some at the time suggested might have been voting irregularities. Gee, that's odd. Yeah, could you imagine that? No, yeah, never possibly would have considered that. Says it's a long list of rejections from cities across Europe. So this, these are the cities, it says, that withdrew. It says Oslo and Stockholm are two high-profile cities that pulled out during the bidding process. They are joined by Krakow, Poland, and Lviv, Ukraine, which also re- withdrew bids. Probably best that Ukraine withdrew, yeah, too. and Poland. Two other areas with potentially strong bids were St. Moritz, Switzerland, and Munich, Ger- Germany. They were rejected by the public and voter referendums. <laughs> The German rejection was a stinging blow to Bach, who is from Germany. It's also notable that the IOC headquarters are in Switzerland, so they didn't huh. want to seem like it was a conflict of in- interest. It says Oslo and Stockholm probably regarded as the prefer- preferred venues as the IOC attempted to return the Olympics to a traditional European winter venues. Both pulled out because of costs and politics. Hmm. So, Or is, is, China offered them money to pull out. Yeah, and... <laughs> I couldn't find it when I went back through this article, but the first time I read it, I'm pretty sure I read that um, one of the countries that helped vote on this, uh, China kind of offered some some economic mm-hmm. dealings, and all that. of a sudden they pulled it back on their vote or something. Yeah. I think it was this. It could have been something else. I, I read a lot this weekend. Yeah. so But but still, you, you can see how— China's using its influence here. China doesn't even have natural snow in their mountains. Really? Yeah. That was one of the things. People are like, why the hell would we go to China yeah. when um, Kazakhstan has natural snow in its mountains? And China was like, well, most skiers actually prefer artificial snow because there's not like the unknown factor sure. of, arti- of the real snow. snow yeah. yeah. So huh. all this stuff went into it. It says... Beijing and some IOC members countered that skiers preferred actual or artificial snow, like I said. The IOC also saw Beijing as a huge winter sports business opportunity. Hmm. So that a chance to sell more skis in China if we if we promote skiing in China. Right? Yeah. I mean, is, is there typically skiing in China? No, like I said, there's not natural snow well, in yeah. Beijing. So yeah. there probably is some mountains like up no- further north that yeah. have it. I just but... didn't know if that was like a big recreational thing. Uh, in China. Probably not. They, they're probably trying to push it. They're like, well, there's billions of people in China, <laughs> and not very many of them ski. But we really could use some sails and skis in in Eastern Asia. Right. So why don't we promote skiing in China? <laughs> I mean. Doesn't that seem kind of shitty that they're even like admitting to that? Right. It's yeah. like it has nothing, not much to do with like their their social status in the world, but everything to do with the ski sales yeah, in China. Right. Yeah. Says the fallout. Afford. Getting down to two candidates, neither neither of them were the top choices, shocked the IOC. It was part of the reason that the IOC no longer goes through a long bid process to pick host cities. Fox said at the time that process produced too many losers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Moreover, it was embarrassing for the IOC to explain why voters turned down holding the Olympics, particularly the smaller Winter Olympics. So, so it was very embarrassing to the Olympics for mo- all countries to be like, nah, yeah. so I'm uh, sorry, I got a pass on this yeah. one. Nah, hard pass. Yeah. Says the bid process was also soiled by scandals surrounding the awarding of the 2016 and 2020 Summer Olympics in which IOC members were allegedly bribed for their votes. <laughs> The bidding for the 2002 Salt Lake City Winter Games was also hit by a scandal. So lots of scandals. A lot of bribing going on. A lot on. of bribing in the Olympics. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. No, no. So any international committee I think we've shown is pretty corrupt. Obviously, we have to go with China because it's the least likely to have scandals right. and bribery. Absolutely, because they don't. They never do that. Right. So what do you think? Do you think? Yeah. Do you think it's just because everybody pulled out because no. of the pr- high price tag? Or do you think China I, was greasing some wheels? No, here? I, I'm sure China was greasing some wheels because they wanted it. Because, like you said, 2008 was their coming out. Because anything you see at China, they are a, a very traditional country. Right. And they're huge on symbolism. Oh, yeah. And so. Symbol- symbolism goes so. Like what we see as symbolism. Is nothing like oh, everything yeah. is super symbolic yeah. to them. Every everything they do, yes. every every misstep, every uh, thing that goes their way, it's like yeah. I mean, it's borderline superstition and yeah. all, all that stuff. It, it, I mean, it it goes back, like I said, thousands yeah. and thousands of years. Oh, absolutely. And, and so, I mean, yes, two thousand eight was their big coming out. They're looking at it. This is their yelling from the mountaintop. Hey. Hey guys, here we are. <laughs> hey Ma, look at me. Yeah, hey, look, <laughs> and, Ma, I made it. But they're, but like you said, they're going to be able to make the narrative whatever they want. Yeah, because they they got the stage. So this yeah. whole Democrat or uh, this diplomatic um, shunning of yeah. them that the United States is doing is going to get flipped. Yeah, because yeah. they got the stage, they got the spotlight, they got the microphone. Yeah, yeah, and it it goes however they want. I just dropped something. Mm. I keep dropping shit. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. The best episodes are riddled with uh, mishaps like that. So my question, I guess, to you and to the rest of the world out there is how the hell does a country riddled with so many human rights abuse allegations, human rights violations, so many, like, push it, like, things that we're accusing them of as far as... Uh, trampling out free speech, trampling out any um, free press, you know, like all the censoring, all this uh, shutting down protests in pretty violent, extreme ways. How does that get the nod from the international community? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you you got this, man. How, How does that country, with all of that scandal going on, get that kind of nod? Because when you have the resource... Of the largest market in the world, at one billion, like people. all the markets in the world, all the markets. I mean, co- Hollywood kisses their ass. The NBA kisses their ass. I'm I'm sure other sports kiss oh, their I'm, ass too. I'm sure but those do. are the ones we yes. know about. Uh, but but it's like you get to dictate what you want. Yeah, you know because the money talks. No, what the, the sad thing is, we we put them in that position we did. where absolutely we where did. they. Basically own our economy because yeah. you know cheap labor, cheap, right. um, low cost, low shipping cost, low production cost, all all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the greed of 
capitalism, I guess. Yes. Without without sounding like a, a communist, the greed of capitalism uh, inflamed all the shit that is now China. Yeah. Well, and, and it's as we saw in the two thousand eight economic crisis. It's not just it's not necessarily the greed of capitalism. It's the the corruption that comes with blending government with sure capitalism. Yeah. Right? When you have political people making money off a capitalist system and they're hand in hand with the corporations, mm-hmm. it, it you sully the whole thing. And in China, they don't pretend to be a free market system. Right. They 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 freely admit, hey, the government runs it all. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They're they're not trying to to hide that. They're not no. trying to say, hey, we let them have their way. No, you're just like, yeah. no, fuck it. It's yeah, ours. Right. They're, it's yeah. all ours. Exactly. They're, we don't have a problem with free market capitalism or corruption because we run it all. Did you know, because we talked about the Taiwan-China relationships and the background behind that, so we don't have yeah. to get into it. Go back and listen to that episode. Um, Taiwan is not allowed to attend the Olympics as Taiwan. Hmm. They are attending the Olympics as Chinese Taipei. Really? Because... They're not. The Olympics aren't allowing them to call oh, yeah. themselves Absolutely. Taiwan. The Olympics are kissing their ass so much. Yeah. Um, this is this one's real quick. This is from the Lone Conservative. It says it's it's Taiwan, not Chinese Taipei. But it says if you've been watching the Olympics, you may have recognized on the medal count leaderboards a nation by the name of Chinese Taipei. You never heard of it? That's because it's actually the East Asian island country commonly known as Taiwan. So why is Taiwan not allowed to use its official name at the Olympics? Well. Because China doesn't recognize them as right. Taiwan. Yeah, the Chinese Communist Party has been nothing but conspicuous in its efforts to suppress democracy, especially in Taiwan, for decades. Taiwan has fought for official independence as China continuously makes claims that the territory to the territory and treats it as its own. In recent years, China increased its aggression. Blah blah blah. We talked about all that stuff. It says, "Hang on, just a sec." It's <laughs> Down here it says, uh, as a result of China's authoritarian style of influence, the International Olympic Committee has implemented a policy that prohibits all languages, symbols, and symbols representing Taiwan as a sovereign country from being used at the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. So this, hmm. I guess this is old. This is from 2020. I, I thought this okay. was a new one because it popped up when I was talking about China in the Olympics. But I'm sure it's probably even worse yeah. in the Beijing Olympics. They probably aren't yeah. even allowing them to participate. No, but in yeah. the 2020 Olympic, the Summer Games, it says, Taiwan, in order for Taiwan to participate in the Games, they had to adopt the name Chinese Taipei, fly a different flag, hmm. and have a different anthem played at the podium ceremonies for the meddling athletes. So they couldn't even have their own so, recognized anthem. So would you, if you were Taiwan or Chinese ta- Taipei, would you, Sounds like some form of like chicken. It does. <laughs> would you jump through those hoops? Would you be like, no, we're a sovereign nation. If we can't do our our country, do our anthem and our flag, we're not participating. Yeah, why would you even go to the Olympics? I as, would not as a country. Yeah. Why would you even participate? It's it, not worth it. No, it's like, well, they're not even recognizing. Yeah, yeah. I I understand that their athletes have worked their ass off to get somewhere, but yeah. still, it's just like you're per- by participating, you're perpetuating that. Absolutely, and that's yeah. the way I see the U.S. Yes. as well. We're just uh, what would they call it? A, a diplomatic yeah. um, 
Shun- boycott. Yeah. But we're still supporting them with yeah. our money, right. our players, yeah. our... Like you said, NBC is still going to be broadcasting. Oh, yeah. And how much money oh, is yeah. funneling... How much money are they making off of this shitty situation oh, yeah. in China? How much are they capitalizing off of yeah. this horrible and, country? And you know, it, it's all there to to kiss China's ass mm-hmm. and make them look great. Because otherwise they wouldn't be allowed in the country. So... Aside from Taiwan, aside from them not allowing them to um, call themselves Taiwan, let's take a look at some of the other human rights violations. I mean, we briefly talked about them, mm-hmm. but let's dig a little bit into some of those. And this, some of these human rights violations then match that up with, hey, the international community said gives them the go-ahead to, to host, like symbolically, symbolically... As a world power, what does it do to say, hey, you get to host the biggest international yeah. event you're on the stage. of all time? Yeah. Like, I mean, you're just basically saying, fuck all this other shit. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Go ahead and host your Olympics. It'll be great. Because um, nobody else wants to do it, so it might as well be you. Right. I mean, I, I just as soon cancel the Olympics before letting right? Beijing yeah. host it again. But this website here. It's called The 10 Astounding Facts About Human Rights Violations in, in China. So let me pull this one up. This is a blog from BorgenProject.org. It says 10 facts about human rights violations in China. Again, note, these are 10 astounding facts, not just 10 facts. Oh, 10, 10, astounding. 10 astounding facts. Okay, I'm glad we clarified that. We clar- yeah, we got to clar- clear that up. Number one. Authorities control citizens' internet use by blocking social media sites and restricting news publications. I mean that's that's a pretty big yeah, violation of freedom of press. Freedom, freedom of press. Speech. Like the things we value here yeah. in a democratic society or, or not value. <laughs> but the funny thing is some of the countries that that um make that profit off our de- democratic society here are playing a big part into this. Like Google had that Google mm-hmm. developed that Dragonfly right. search engine that was basically China's censored version of Google. Yeah. Google's like, you know, we're we we don't want to want to censor you through Google, yeah. but we will develop your own censored yeah, version right. of Google. That that that's fine. Right. So, um, yeah, that I mean, that seems pretty important to us. Yeah. Number two, the government only allows five officially recognized religions in approved religious sites. This one's big. I mean, it, it talks about, it says, in 2018, a revised regulation on religious affairs was established. The revision invests all control over religious activities to the government, including finances, personnel, appointments, and publications. Mm-hmm. So even even the people that get put in prominent positions in these religions, yeah. the five religions that are allowed, are appointed by mm-hmm. the Chinese Communist yeah. Party. But it doesn't mention... Really, what? Because it, it it says the law also states a goal of restraining, infiltrating, and extremism, which could enforce a limitation on religious freedom for Tibetan Buddhists and Uyghur Muslims. Hmm. So this this talks about limitation on the Tibetan monks and the Uyghur Muslims. Yeah. Do you see what's going on over there as just limitations? Or do you think this article might be downplaying a little I, bit of what's going on? Yeah, I now, think so. Now, remember, this is... Astounding yeah. facts about human rights violations. Yes. And they're downplaying quite a bit. A lot. Number three, 
Although labor laws allow trade union organizations and elections of trade union, union committees, the government still controls these rights. So they do allow trade unions, but the government controls the trade. So what's <laughs> the fucking point of the trade unions? Again, that's kind of a violation to like a democratic society, but right. we got to realize this isn't a democratic society. Exactly. Again, not that astounding. Number four. In 2017, China ranked 100 among 144 countries for gender parity for the ninth year in a row. So they don't have a substantial amount of women in high-ranking positions. That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me either. Number five, Uyghur, Tibet, and Tibetan-populated areas endure higher poverty rates, displacement, discrimination, and crucial human rights issues. Let's see if they get into more (laughs) any deeper details on that on this one. Says according to the UN Special Rapporteur, the situation of Tibetans and Uyghurs is deeply problematic. Oh wow! Okay. Similar to most Chinese citizens, ethnic minorities do not have the right to freedom of religion, expression, and peaceful assembly. Over 150 Tibetans have and continue to protest repressive laws by self-immolation. So, again, the by burning uh, themselves. Yeah, self-immolation. Uh, again, the. Uh, what do we call it? The astounding, astounding facts. Fact. Yes, is they make these religions problematic. Yes, yes, and, and I don't know about you, but problematic is running out of milk. Yeah, <laughs> or um, having to have your religious ceremonies like in secret. That, right, that, right. That's, that's problematic. problematic. Yes, not being able to openly talk about it. That's problematic. Yes. Yeah, what's happening there is slightly above problematic. Yes. Number six, authorities continue to conduct politically motivated prosecutions. Okay. Number seven, about 500,000 individuals are currently detained without trial, charge, or access to legal aid. How many? About 500,000. I'm guessing it's more than that, though. It says black jails and mental health institutions are types of illegal detentions that utilize by authorities. Or illegal detentions. Is it illegal if the authorities are utilizing them, though? If the government says it's okay? Yeah, is it I was going to say, it's not really. Number eight, China is currently the leading executioner uh, in the world. Really? Over the United States? For decades, China imposed the death penal- penalty for nonviolent crimes and unfair trials. In March 2017, the president of the Supreme People's Court said that capital punishment was only applied to an extremely small number of criminals. However, China's Statistics on death penalties remains classified, and authorities fail to realize the numerical data. So this goes on and on, but it talks about China's accepting help help from the UN in addressing human rights issues. Oh, are they? Yes. Oh, wow. Well, the UN is helpful with that. Yes. Number 10, human rights in China works to promote human rights and hold government accountable. So um, these NGOs and human rights activist groups are usually getting silenced but it says it says the NGOs that adv- that use advocacy and policy engagement to give citizens voice and approve human rights protections it it says so it basically says there are these groups in China again right this is titled 10 astounding yeah. facts did you find any of that to be too astounding or did it seem like they pretty, were candy coating a lot of what's say, actually candy coating going on and, and nothing that really was surprising no i mean they forgot to mention the social credit system um they forgot to mention um how they're under constant uh surveillance right way beyond that though Th- yeah. those are i mean that that's literally orwellian what they got going on those over there. are like anti-democracy yeah 
which to us is bad. But could, do you consider it astounding, though? No, no. Anti-democracy to me is not astounding. Uh, it, uh, it sucks. It's yeah. shitty. I don't want to ever be there. Right. But it's not astounding compared to what actually goes on in China. Right. Yeah. And we talked about China and Taiwan relationships. We we know about um, Hong Kong and China relationships, how right. Hong Kong was like a British uh, territory for right. over 100 years, and they gave gave it back to China in the 90s. Yeah. And then China was like, well, we'll give you 50 years to yeah. play out this democracy thing. And then after 50 years, you're ours, bitch. Yeah. But here in the last few years, they've been cracking down and like mm-hmm. chipping away at their rights, even though I think that was like 2047 or something like yeah. that, that the 50 years right. or 2042. So there's still a good 20 years left on their yeah. contract. But um, they came out, what, last year with that national security law mm-hmm. where they basically cracked down and arrested protesters, like pro-democracy protesters right. and stuff. So, so again, it's all anti-democracy related stuff again i don't see that as like holy shit no they're anti it's a communist country obviously they're anti-democratic so yeah the things that i view as astounding is more shit like this like the uyghurs being genocided right this is from BBC, and it's titled, Who are the Uyghurs, and why is China being accused of genocide? Hmm. I'm only going to briefly touch on some of these things, because we only have so much time to right. go over this. But I want you to actually hear astounding yeah. human rights abuses. Not just, oh, they don't allow free speech, and they're very problematic towards other religions and stuff. Yeah. These Uyghurs are a Muslim minority in one section of China. This is some of the problematic that the last website was referring to. It says, China has been accused of committing crimes against humanity. Does that sound a little deeper than just being problematic? Yeah, a little bit. Crimes against humanity and possibly genocide against the Uyghur population and other mostly Muslim ethnic groups in the northwestern region of Xinjiang. Human rights groups believe China has detained more than one million Uyghurs against their will. So that one site said 500,000 plus. Some groups believe it's over a million, just Uyghurs. Right. Not political prisoners, not the uh, Falun Gong prisoners and all these other religions, just the Uyghur Muslims. They right. believe there's over a hundred or over a million in prison against their will. In the past few years, in a large network of what the state calls re education camps, and sentenced hundreds of thousands to prison terms. There is also evidence that the Uyghurs are being used as forced labor and of women being forcibly sterilized. Some former camp detainees have also alleged they were tortured and sexually abused. The U.S. is among several countries to have accused China of committing genocide in Xinjiang. The leading human rights groups, Amnesty and Human Rights Watch, have published reports accusing China of crimes against humanity. Says China denies all allegations of human rights abuses. Obviously, they're not going to come out and be like, no. "Oh yeah, yeah you yeah. got us, you got us. You we got are us. abusing. We are so hard <laughs> abusing human rights. Sorry, my bad." You're taken back. It says, uh, claiming its system of re-education camps are there to combat separatism and Islamist militancy in the region. They're taking a play From out of Bush. the United States yeah. playbook. There, yeah. it's like, oh, you, you like. Do you like Muslim extremists? Yeah. I, you got them locked up there in, uh, in Guantanamo. Guantanamo. Yeah. 
So we're doing the same thing as you guys. Yeah. We're on the same side. So it says there are about 12, mi- 12 million Uyghurs, mostly Muslim, living in Xinjiang, which is officially known as Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. So there's a lot of autonomous regions there in, is. There's around China. There's got to be China. a shorter word for that. The Uyghurs speak their... Yeah, there's not like a, a chat or something. It's yeah, right. Zhuar is the acronym. <laughs> the Uyghurs speak their own language, which is similar to Turkish, and see themselves as culturally and ethnically close to Central Asian nations. They make up less than half the Xinjiang population. Recent decades have seen a mass migration of uh, Han Chinese, which is the main ethnic majority okay. Chinese, like what you think of Chinese. Yeah. Uh, so seen a mass migration in the, the last few decades into the, the area, allegedly orchestrated by the state to dilute the minority population there. China has also been accused of targeting Muslim religious figures and banning religious practices in the region, as well as destroying mosques and tombs. Uyghur activities or activists say they fear that the group's culture is under the threat of Erishur. I don't even know what that is. So here's a map. That's where Xinjiang region is. It's It's the far west. It's a giant major area of China. I could see why they're like, no, bitch, you're ours, because that's a big area of property there. Says, what are the allegations against China? So the 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 problematic things, here's, here's what those actually are. Several countries, including the U.S., Canada, and the Netherlands, have accused China of committing genocide. Define international convention as the intent to destroy in, in whole or in part a national, ethnical, racial, or religious group. Declarations follow reports that as well as interning Uyghurs in camps, China has been forcibly mass-sterilizing Uyghur women to suppress the population, separating children from their families, and attempting to break the cultural traditions of the group. Kind of like what America did with Native Americans. Yeah, basically. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has said China is committing genocide and crimes against humanity. The U.K. foreign... Secretary Dominique Robb said the treatment of Uyghurs amounts to appalling violations of the most basic human rights. A U.N. Human Rights Committee in 2018 said it had credible reports that China was holding up to a million people in counter-extremism centers in Xinjiang. Goes on to say the Australian Strategic Policy Institute found evidence in 2020 of more than 380 re-education camps in Xinjiang and an increase of 40% on previous estimates. So, sounds pretty extreme. They're forcing sterilization on these people. Basically genociding them without actually pulling the trigger. Basically wiping out their culture, their religion, uh, their people over a few generations by by forced sterilizing, mass sterilizing them. Yeah. You know, this was... This was what came out, and Biden was like, you know, it's just uh, they're, they're culturally different from us. Right. It's a different culture. You, you guys wouldn't understand. It's a different right. culture. Yeah. This isn't a different culture. Different culture would be like uh, they don't eat pork. Right, yeah. Or yeah. they face the East and pray six times right. a day. That's yeah. different culture. Yeah. Mass sterilization is so much more than culturally yeah. different. Right. Quite a, quite a bit more um, evil. Oh, and it gets even more evil than that. Apparently, there are reports that China harvests organs from live patients, Why live people. Yeah. They have—I I heard a show 
where a guy was talking. He he actually went to China and reported on this shit. Um, where they they have this thing. It's called organ tourism, I think. Where oh. they um, <laughs> they basically advertise that they got these really fast organ organ transplants, uh, faster than anyone than sitting on the like the the waiting list here in the United States or yeah. in some other countries. And it's like, hey, come to China and we'll get you a healthy one really fast. Well, some of these. Relig- like extreme religions, like the Uyghurs, or yeah. this this one talks specifically about the the Falun Gong is okay. another religious group. They strictly prohibit their religion strictly prohibits the use of alcohol, the use of smoking, the use of certain things. So their organs are way healthier. Right. Yeah. So they use these people as live donors. That's they ugly. cut them open while they're alive. Yeah. And transplant it into these people. This one. Talk specifically about the Falun Gong. I'm just going to read a couple of seconds of this because we're getting close to break time already. It says, China's murdering members of the Falun Gong. I'd like to get into the Falun Gong sometime because that's interesting too. Yeah, but I've never heard of them before. I, that's uh, That reporter was specifically talking. Like he got into the Falun Gong kind of movement and then oh, okay. he started hearing about the atrocities committed against them. Okay. And then um, that's how he became kind of reporting on this stuff. Gotcha. So says um, a spiritual group, the Falun Gong, it's murdering them and harvesting the organs for transplant, a panel of lawyers and experts said on Monday as they invited further investigations into a potential genocide. So we got one potential genocide, which is the mass sterilization, and we got another potential steroli- or genocide that is Harvesting live organs. organ harvesting. <laughs> yes. That's insane. But this is just problematic, you know? Right, yeah. Members said they had heard clear evidence forced organ harvesting had taken place over at least 20 years in a final judgment from the China Tribunal, an independent panel set up by a campaign group to examine the issue. Beijing has repeatedly denied accusations by human rights researchers and scholars that it forcibly takes organs from prisoners of conscience or conscious and said it stopped using organs from executed prisoners in 2015. I don't believe it. Yeah. But the panel said it was satisfied that the practice was still taking place with imprisoned Falun Gong members, probably the principal source of organs for forced harvesting. Falun Gong is a spiritual group based around meditation that China banned 20 years ago after 10,000 members appeared at the central leadership compound in Beijing in silent protest. Thousands of members have since been jailed. Says the conclusion shows that very many people have died indescribably hideous deaths for no reason. Uh, Chinese government regulations say human or human organ donation must be voluntary and without payment. We hope the British people will not be misled by rumors. Uh, the China Tribunal was set up by the International Coalition to End Transplant Abuse in China, a campaign group charged with examining whether crimes had been committed as a result of China's transplant practices. Says the panel said its findings were indicative of genocide, but it had been not been clear enough to make a positive ruling, particularly since some Falun Gong prisoners had been released and profit was also likely a motive. So there, there was that. It talks briefly about that. But then there was another one that got into more depth that I can't really get too in-depth on that was talking about um, their use of these. It, it said, like, since... Early 2000s, China's organ transplants have, like, increased hundreds of percent. Wow. They're, like, the leading 
country and organ transplants, but they don't have like a specified organ donor. Okay. Um, po- like set up like we have here. We right. have like you you put the thing on the back of your driver's license right, if you want yeah. to be an organ donor and that we have like a list and you get put to the top or the bottom they don't have like a structure like that sure they don't have some designated organ donor structure yet they're still the leading country in organ transplants yeah and again we have like the organ tourists where they just go to china to get organ transplants yeah. so it's Kind of makes it a little obvious that like something shitty's going on there. Yeah. And it's specifically these religious minorities. Yeah. Like, the sterilization was on the Uyghurs. The organ donors was primarily this Falun Gong people. So yeah. it's like they're just eliminating yeah. any kind of controversial group that... They're just using them for, I mean, spare parts. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. But But then you get websites like that that say... Oh, the, the the problematic treatment right. of these uh, yeah. religious minority groups, and it's it's websites like that yeah. that keep the shit going. Absolutely, and it's people like the United States, all all those countries that both of those websites said that they spoke out against, that are still sending their fucking people to the to China, that are yeah. still um, importing from China, still trading with China. Yeah. yeah. They're still perpetuating this Absolutely. because it's like, oh, that's bad, guys. Well, what are you going to do about it? Um, we're just going to tell you that it's bad. Yeah, uh, we might not show our faces at the Olympics because that would be kind of embarrassing, you know. Yeah. But um, so so are you not sending your your players? No, no, that would be wrong for us because yeah. they've been training their whole right. lives. That yeah. would be wrong for us not to let right. them go. I, I'm sorry. There, there's bigger principles at work, you know. So, so um, are you going to uh, have a trade embargo with it? No, because uh, you guys are pretty critical to our economy, so we can't right. completely have a trade embargo with you guys. And what, that doesn't even, like, talk about, like, the child labor. Oh, no, absolutely Like, not. the the slave labor, the the tiny little fingers making iPhones and yeah. Nike shoes and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, like, not, that doesn't even apply. No, and, or the, you know, horrendous work conditions where people are committing suicide. Right. You know? Yeah. Again, that stuff is, as, as horrible as it is, yeah. Is so minor compared to if you actually dig into what's really going on over there. Yeah. You can see where this kind of piles on really fast. It's like, well, first, um, they don't have really the freedom of press for information to get out. Once you take control of the press and the information can't get out, yeah. shit like this can happen. Absolutely. Really freaking fast. Yep. So if you wonder why we are very outspoken against like being able to do what we do, have the freedom to get information spread around. Um, and we get really pissed off when the social media starts censoring it and the mainstream media starts censoring stuff. It's because shit like this yeah. is allowed to happen when information is not allowed to free flow freely yeah. as, as we have here in the United States. And it probably doesn't take long before it goes from, hey, freedom of press gets... Knocked out the window. Well, then um, uh, religious and political dissenters get, you know, arrested right. um, f- for dissenting, you know. And then it goes from that to, oh, they're, they're, they're being used for forced labor. Yeah. I mean, ob- they're prisoners, so we might as well throw them in fields to do stuff. Right. Well, then it goes from, you know, um, we'd have less of these prisoners if we just got, like, 
slow down the reproduction. So right. let let's force sterilize them. And well, well, we got this like boost in the organ market. So yeah. I mean, we got all these prisoners over here. We might as well start chopping it. Right. They they got super healthy organs. It, it just po- compiles super yeah. fast. Right. And we're just turning a blind eye to it. We yeah. we might be saying the media might be saying bad, bad China. Yeah. But, but, th- but that's what it. are we doing? But then if China comes back, be like, wait, were, were you talking badly about us? Because um, we have a big market over here. If you want to show any of your shit, oh, we're we're sorry, we won't say anything. Uh, yeah, you yeah. Know. Oh, um, you know, you guys can't really say the word Hong Kong. Yeah. At an NBA game because right. you know we. Yeah. Nike's here. Yeah. What was it that Nike's John Cena spun- got nailed on? I can't even remember. Was it something about Taiwan? And then he had to. Uh, like, I think apologize he just said in Mandarin. Chi- like I think he said the country of Taiwan. Oh, okay. okay. I think was as far as it went. Let's see he said the country of Taiwan and China does not consider them a country. The country, as as we saw back, how the Olympic Committee has kissed their ass to the point where they won't even allow Taiwan to fly their own flags, play their own national anthem, or even call themselves Taiwan. Yeah. So celebrities like that are like, oh, my bad. Yeah. Let me kiss your ass really quick. Let me apologize to you in Mandarin because, God forbid, we do anything to piss off China. Right. And um, he said, uh, okay, John Cena apologizes to Chinese audience after calling Taiwan a country. That, that's what I thought. He goes, I love and respect China and Chinese people. I'm very, very sorry for my mistake, he said in Mandarin. I don't love or respect China. No. China is a piece of shit. Yeah. And we've tiptoed around them for decades now oh, yeah. to the point where it's too fucking late now. Yeah. Yeah. Like Trump warned about it. Trump mm. but Trump was so single dimensional. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about this in the in the second half I'm going to talk about uh more about China's slow steady rise to right. where they are now and how Trump damaged us more than helped us with China. Yeah. Trump perpetuated it. Obama perpetuated yeah. it. Bush perpetuated it. Clinton perpetuated it. All, all the way back to yeah. um, the late '90s, early 2000s, when they're like, you know, maybe we should let them in the World Trade Organization. Yeah. And then, be, because if we do, then maybe they'll because they see the benefits right. of mutual trade, they yeah. will they will come closer to. Well, us in demo- that, democratically, and that was the thought, you know, with with the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. That, oh, hey, they're wearing blue jeans and they have a McDonald's. So you know, democracy is is just right around the corner, right? So maybe if we do that for China, then then you know we can bring more democracy to China. Whereas China is just like uh, blah blah democracy. Sure, just give us your money. Basically, <laughs> yeah, that's basically how it went. So we're going to get into that stuff in the second half. It is about time for a break. Already. Uh, it, yeah, right. So after all this stuff, now what's your opinion about the Olympic, the International Olympic Committee, the international com- community Yeah. giving this nod to China by allowing them to host it, It's just the them continuing to kiss their ass, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all it's doing is empowering China even more. Right, and it's you just know, giving this, them the go-ahead to keep being yeah, shitty. Yeah, th- this is this is a, the world's chance to make a huge statement with China, and what they're choosing to do is to bend down and kiss their ass. Yeah, be like, uh, you know that that was bad, but but 
the Olympics. You have so much potential, so much to give to the world. Now, if you guys would just fix these problematic areas over here, your cultural differences, man, can you imagine how great things, our relationships here would be? China doesn't give a fuck about our relationships. No. They. No, it's just political leverage. Yeah, they only care about being on top of the mountain again. Yep. And as long as, as long as, and as long as everybody's kissing their ass. And and throwing dirt over the problematic areas, mm-hmm. and you got the United States so focused on on green and wokeness, it's like okay, well, it looks like we have a clear path to the top here. Well, didn't you know China is at the forefront of climate change? Oh, I'm sure they are. Well, that or that's what, what their media think will that tell they you. Are. That. Yeah, yeah, people, all these like the WEF and stuff's like, well, China's making all these commitments to green energy and oh, stuff. Oh, sure. And, yeah, they're they're gonna they make just the opened up like more coal plants this year than yeah, anywhere right. else. But it's just like with their COVID response, you know, people are looking to them as the the leaders in their COVID response because they have such low numbers. But they're not real numbers, right? They're, they're cooking the books even more than the CDC cook them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna talk about all that shit in the second half. We got to get to a break really quick. Uh, when we come back, I'm gonna talk about their their slow, steady rise to the top. Like we said in the beginning. China plays the long game. Yeah. We don't know long game. We haven't been around no, long enough to no. know how to play a long game. I was going to say, the United States is all about instant gratification. For them, the, the long game is watching the director's cut of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So when we come back, that's what we're going to talk about. And then we're going to wrap this shit up. And we'll see where we go from there. So Sounds good. We're going to take two, three, four minutes for this break. And then we'll come back and talk more about China. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remster W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. From learning about financial independence to new ways to develop rugged individualism to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real, but actually are. Go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remster W. Martinez at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remster W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. You're the top. You're the Coliseum. You're the top. You're the Louvre Museum. You're a melody from a symphony by Strauss. You're a Bendel bonnet, a Shakespeare sonnet. You're a Mickey Mouse. You're the Nile. 
You know what I picture? I picture the Joe Bidens, the World Economic Forums, the International Olympic Committees, like in unison singing this song to China. Right? Yeah, right? WHO. In their best Sammy yeah. Davis Jr. voice. Yeah. Hi, <laughs> Barb. They're all, yeah, they're, they're all just kissing their ass, singing this song to them, and Biden, Biden's out in the forefront singing, baby, I'm the bottom, you're the top. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Like, here, we, we don't want this anymore. Here, you yeah. take it. Right. You take it from we'll us. We'll see, it's a huge burden. Yeah, yeah, we, we can't handle this anymore. Yeah. Our, 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 our colonialism can only get us so far. We need you to take us the rest of the way. Yeah, so, oh, let's get rid of this music. I just thought it was amusing, yeah. and I was going to use it because, because I can. <laughs> so let's get back into China. Not literally, but into the topic of China. We talked about the atrocities, the human rights abuses, and it, it goes even further than that. We, oh, I mean, sure. we only have so much time to dig into yeah. the human rights abuses of China. Again, like I mentioned in the first half, right at the end, right before we went to break, now I want to talk about their slow, steady rise to the top. Yeah. How they Sammy Davis jr this from an entire century of basically an embarrassing century for, for oh, yeah. a country like China that yeah. has a history of a dynastic history yeah. where it was just yeah. like Very an powerful. empire. Right. The most, most, one of the more powerful empires in the entire world. Longest Absolutely. lasting empires oh, yeah. in the entire world. And went through the 20th century. Overall embarrassing, I would, I would yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, Japan made them their bitch yeah, you know, for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and I, that's what I want to talk about here. But then now we, we get to the 21st century, which kind of ushers in yeah. a new era for China. It's a turning point for the global economy, the global overall yeah. look. And it's shifting from the American but, order to yeah. back to the what the way things used to be. Right. But but again, it goes back to art of war. You know, make, right. make them think you're weak when you're strong. Right. It's kind of a let. Let's just say the ni- the 20th century was uh, what they call it in sports like a, a rebuilding year. Yeah. Right. Okay. Where it's just like let's just take a year to rebuild that that. Usually yeah. means let's take a year to suck, right, right? And be shitty, yeah. But then after that year or two years, what that rebuilding time, we're back on top. We're back, yeah. hopefully, well, hopefully back on top. It, it, and it looks like that what they did was they they looked at all the mistakes the Soviet Union made, mm-hmm. and was like, okay, and all the mistakes that America made, right? And all the mistakes and, and learned from them, and like, okay, this is how we can be better, right? So I got this article here. It's titled The Long Game, China's Grand Strategy to Displace the American Order. Again, talking about this, the shift. So this talks about what you were mentioning of Japan making them their bitch. Right. And it it this is really long. I, I'm only gonna touch on a few things, but that's one of the things I wanted to point out because it was the end of the 19th century, the end of the 1800s, early 1900s. It was the the what was it? The Qing Dynasty was that the name of it? I can't. China. Yeah, what was the name of their dynasty at the time? Uh, I, I don't remember. I thought it was the Qing. The Qing Dynasty. I don't know. One of the dynasties was okay. coming. It, it was coming to an end. The the Chinese Dynasty was coming to an end. It says in 
1872, um, one of his many correspondences, Li, the leader of China at the time, um, reflected on groundbreaking geopolitical and technological transformations he had seen in his own life that posed an existential threat to the, the Qing. In a memorandum advocating for more investment in Chinese shipbuilding, he penned a line since repeated for generations. China was experiencing great changes not seen in 3,000 years. And this, this statement would come back to bite him in the ass. Sure. Because it was like China could, could not develop fast enough for the developing world, mm-hmm. the technological advances of the world. It was like... He did too little too late. He right. he saw these advancements and he did too little too late. He coin, he penned this statement saying they were experiencing great changes not seen in 3,000 years, which was the thousands of years of the dynastic reign right. of China. Yeah. Says that famous sweeping statement is to many Chinese nationalists a reminder of the country's own humiliation. Li ultimately failed to modernize China, lost a war to Japan, like you said, Japan made him his bitch, and signed the embarrassing Treaty of Shimonseki with Tokyo. But to many, Li's line was both uh, prescient and accurate. China's decline was the product of the Qing Dynasty's inability to reckon with transformative geopolitical and technological forces that had not been seen for 3,000 years. Forces which changed the international balance of power and ushered China's century of humiliation. These were trends that all of Li's striving could not reverse. So again, too little, too late. Mm-hmm. They couldn't couldn't advance right. at the pace that the rest of the world was inv- advancing, specifically with the advancement coming from the United States. Now Li's line has been repurposed by Qing's, or China's leader Xi Jinping to inaugurate a new phase in China's post-Cold World grand strategy. Since 2017, Xi has, in many of the country's critical foreign policy addresses, declared that the world is in the midst of great changes unseen in a century. Mm. So you see where that statement yeah. was the beginning of their embarrassing century, yeah. and now China's leader, since 2017, has repurposed that. Again, symbolism. Yeah. That same statement, the last one was, great changes not seen in 3,000 years. He's yeah. saying, great changes... Not seen in a century, so yeah. third century of embarrassment. Right. So he has taken that and used it as a pivot point for China to put them back on track as the world leader that they, they once were. Right. I thought that was interesting. It says, if Li's line marks the high point of China's humiliation, then Xi's marks on occasion, an occasion for its rejuvenation. If Li's evokes tragedy, then Xi's evokes opportunity. Both capture something essential, the idea that the world order is once again at stake because of unprecedented geopolitical and technological shifts and that this requires strategic adjustment. Do you think China's at the back of that adjustment, or do you think they're now at the forefront no, of that adjustment? No, they're definitely at the forefront. I think they are the push of this geopolitical yeah. and technological yeah. advancement or shift. Says for Xi, the origin of these shift is China's growing power and what it saw as the West's apparent self-destruction. So they, we might see certain events as important but not critical. Right. China looks at everything and sees them as like critical points, like yeah. like stress points. Mm-hmm. Specifically, it says in 2016, the UK voted to leave the U. 
the European Union. Then a little more than three months later, a populist surge catapulted Donald Trump into office as president of the United States. From China's perspective, which is highly sensitive to changes in its perception of American power and threat, these two events were shocking. Beijing believed that the world's most powerful democracies were withdrawing from the international order that they had helped erect abroad and were struggling to govern themselves at home. So we saw Trump come into office. Mm -hmm. Trump pulled out of all these international right. things. Yep. Took a more nationalist approach, saying, yeah. like, America first, pulled out of the Paris Climate Agreement, pulled out of trade deals, mm -hmm. pulled out of, like, pulled a lot of funding, I think, for, in prominence in the yeah. UN. Dropped, pissed, dropped countries out of NATO. Pissed off a lot of those yeah. countries in those organizations. China saw this as a good thing for them. Right. Absolutely. Because, Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, because it leaves a hole. Absolutely. There's a vacuum. Someone's got to overtake it. Yeah, and... America is the leading financer. China's got a shit ton of money. Mm -hmm. So they yeah. can start throwing money at these organizations, and those organizations are going to flip loyalties on Absolutely. a dime. Wherever Absolutely. the money is, we, they're going to that. go for it. We saw that. Yep. Says the West's subsequent response to the coronavirus pandemic in 2020 and then the storming of the U.S. Capitol by extremists in 2021 reinforced the sense that time and momentum are on our side, as Xi Jinping put it shortly after the events. So, again, these events that were just like, oh, it wasn't actually an insurrection. They see the overall influence of these things. Yeah. They took into account that Trump nationalized us, mm -hmm. that— there was not a lot of even support within our country right. for our leadership, let alone international support. Right. Um, then coronavirus weakening economies, do you think it really affected their economy that much? No. When they have basically slave, la slave yeah. labor there? I was going to say, because they shut down the areas they wanted to shut down. Right. And again, no, there was no real media or information given about their cases and fatalities because they they were controlled the flow of information. Right. And the the problem with though is that I don't think Trump didn't really nationalize the country because the problem is the majority of the United States doesn't want to be nationalized. Mm -hmm. They look at it as a bad part, you know. The the Chinese government they had a four-part plan and one of that is advanced technology, increased nationalism, um, and then um, get rid of dissenters and um, and control the resources, mm -hmm. right? So the United States, they may try to advance technology, but they can't do nationalism because we apologize. Mm -hmm. You know, it's bad being a nationalist in the United States. Right. Right? We don't get rid of dissenters because we apologize. We give yeah. them the stage. Right. And then controlling resources, we're cutting back resources because we're trying to go green. Yes. So it's like we're we're doing all the opposites of what China's doing. Well, we're cutting back our resource production here. Yes. Yes. But we're still getting the same resources from other countries like China. Right. Just making this worse. It says we're now in the early years of what comes next. A China that not only seeks regional influence as so many great powers do, but as Evan Osnos argues, is preparing to shape the 21st century, much as the U.S. shaped the 20th century. That competition for influence will be a global one, and Beijing believes with good reason that the next decade will likely determine the out outcome. Absolutely. Like you said, by 2030. Yeah, I, I would say now by 2027, maybe. I'd say possibly sooner than that, but, but there's a good chance yeah. by 2027. 
So you see their their strategy, mm-hmm. the way they think differs from us so yeah, much. Absolutely. And well, it's it, all it's all the long game. It's all yeah. playing the long like everything that has happened since the fall of the Chinese dynasty and mm-hmm. the early 1900s was them preparing to get back to this point. Yeah, yeah. And they're not going to play second fiddle. No. The U.S. thought that, hey, we could capitalize, as we do in so many other countries, like we do with Haiti, like we do with in the Middle East, we could capitalize on that and use them yeah. to our benefit. We can use the cheap labor, we can use the cheap product, and use that to enhance our influence. Yeah. And they can, I mean, if they want to play second fiddle to us, that that's fine. China is not going to play second no. fiddle to anybody. No. And that's how short-sighted we are in that, yeah. that it's just like, uh, what it it's like any any freaking like action movie where there's like um the main guy and he takes on like a protege. Mm-hmm. The protege always like overcomes, oh, absolutely. like gets like this greedy ambition to overthrow yeah. the the main yeah bad guy yeah. in the situation. Yeah, and I had um and I don't know if you're gonna get to this, but um I had seen where um, China now has the number one navy in the world. I had I. Didn't have this in my notes, but uh, um, that is because they're putting out like three ships to our one. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd seen I the United States is about that. building on. They're building six destroyers. China's building eighteen destroyers. Yeah. And so, so they're they're three to one outpacing yeah. us in shipbuilding. Yeah, and now what has kept us the country, the superpower that we are, our world's greatest naval yeah system, we've now been outpaced by China. Yeah, but it's interesting to me. Is let's let let's put that aside. Let me get into this article all right, first, all right, all right. because this talks about two possible paths that China has towards global domination. Okay, the one is the more conventional path, like you take over the region and then you use that to springboard yourself to right. take more global dominance. The other side of that is um, instead of going full blown regional, let's bypass that. Let's Let's um, not take such a military approach and focus more on the economic and technological global positioning. Which is what they're going for. Which seems like what they're going yeah. for. But then you see them outpacing us in shipbuilding, mm-hmm. outpacing us in what they got that hyper supersonic missile. Oh, right, right. Like their their yeah. weapon systems are outpacing us too. Yeah. It almost seems because America is military bait focused right when it comes to power we see power and military strength so it's almost like they're kind of playing both sides but one yeah. side is like a ruse yeah so we ignore the geopolitical part right until it's too late yeah we're like oh shit they got a hypersonic me- weapon now yeah oh shit they got a bunch of uh, uh naval ships now we got to start building more naval ships right. and more weapons yeah and then uh, before we realize it they've taken over the tech technological uh Markets, they've taken right. over the geopolitical economic situation with all these top organizations like the well, UN, WF, uh, yeah. the WHO, all these. Well, and, and look at the two regions that they're they're ma- focusing on building at. You got them, they're massively moving into Mexico, mm-hmm. right? They're putting a lot of factories into Mexico because the, the labor's cheaper in Mexico than it is in China. Right. And also you got the, the they're building up in Africa, 
Yeah. Which Africa is another very fertile area for industry right now. Yeah. And, and um, I want to talk about that, too, as well as this, because that that's part of their strategy there. Mm-hmm. So this one talks about those two paths. I just want to read just a little bit so you can get a better idea, because I'm not really good at explaining this. Okay. So it says... Emerging conventional wisdom holds that China will try to establish global influence by first establishing regional hegemony. This does not mean physically occupying neighboring countries, with the potential exception of Taiwan, as the Soviet Union did during the Cold War, but it does mean that Beijing must make itself the dominant player in the Western Pacific, out to the first island chain, which runs from Japan to Taiwan to the Philippines and beyond. It must gain an effective veto over the security and economic choices of its neighbors. It must rupture America's alliances in the region and push U.S. military forces further and further away from China's shores. It doesn't seem like that's very possible for them because Australia no. yeah. had postured up against them yeah. by making alliances. And Japan with, is also. And Japan's not going to side no, with them no. at all. So, But, but— I mean, there is a possibility that, that the Philippines will swap. Sure, but it, it's saying in order to gain that influence, right. they, they can't be on the defense constantly. No, no. And in order to not be on the defense, they have to have dominance in all of right. that. They can't have um, Japan as an right. a- ally with us. They can't right. have Australia with an ally as an ally with us. They have to basically have dominance in that whole right. Western but, Pacific region. But— I think it, they're focusing in the other direction, though. Well, that, that's what this goes into, because it, it says um, it, it says conventionally that's how because that's how the U.S. played it because right. um, we first took over continental U.S., right. then um, we kicked all our rivals out of the Caribbean, and mm-hmm. then Hawaii and all the islands from yeah. here to Hawaii. And so, and we made allies with everybody basically in the northwestern quadrant here. So that's basically how we did it was we, over time, um, gained complete influence over the whole entire region here. And that's how we became a superpower. We don't have to worry about um, other countries' allies being right on our shores, with exception maybe to Cuba. Right, right. And that's why uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis was such a big deal. Um, so the other way, which is kind of more what you're talking about, is moving the other direction. It says, what if instead of focusing on regional hegemony before turning to consider global hegemony, China approaches things the other way around? The second road would lead China more to the west than to its east. In, in service of building a new Chinese-led security and economic order, across the Eurasian landmass in Indian Ocean, while establishing Chinese centrality in global institutions. Global institutions like the WEF, like the WHO, like the UN, all these prominent global institutions. Mm -hmm. In this approach, China would grudgingly accept that it could not displace the United States from Asia or push the U.S. Navy beyond the Western Pacific's first island chain, at least for the foreseeable future. It would instead put increasing emphasis on shaping the world's economic rules, technology standards, and political institutions to its advantage in its image. That sounds more like what China's doing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Increasing the the reshaping of the the economy, the world Mm -hmm. economy, the technology standards. I mean, what did we have 
just recently the chip shortage because all the chips were coming from China. Right. Because we can't even make our own computer chips right. over here anymore because yeah, we've why, outsourced it to China for right. so long. Well, I think that's why Taiwan is the hot spot. Yeah. Because they're the ones that make the chips. Yeah. Uh, political institutions, mm-hmm. like all these, like the yeah. UN and, and, and places like that, restructuring, reshaping them into this Chinese image. Right. Look at the WEF. What right. is their their goal image? It's basically a mirror image of China. Absolutely. Right. It says the central premise of this alternative approach would be that the economic and technological power is fundamentally more important than traditional military power in establishing global leadership and that a physical sphere of influence in East Asia is not a necessary precondition for sustaining such leadership. By this logic, China could simply keep managing a military balance in the Western Pacific, attending its immediate periphery and especially its territorial claims through its anti-access area denial doctrine and slowly shifting the correlation of forces in its favor while pursuing global dominance through these other forms of power. Mm -hmm. I see that as being the direction they're going. Yeah. But again, I think... They're doing the uh, they're they're posturing the other right yeah like their military right. side because that's how the United States thinks especially Donald Trump right you right. know when Donald Trump sees that they are um, making these big advances in their navy Donald yeah. Trump's like oh I'm gonna make bigger and better ships right. the bigliest ships yeah and then he was so hyper focused on specifically trade with China mm-hmm. and how China was outpacing us in trade that he completely missed. All this other shit yeah. that they're they're doing, like you said, they're playing chess. They're yeah. thinking like five, six, seven moves ahead, right. not not immediately what's directly right. in front well, of them. And they're 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 thinking of the ways that they can consolidate power using the least amount of resources. Sure. And part of that is you know again making new trade deals, you know doing economic deals with African nations. You know they're they're making um, deals for mining rights in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. You know they have this um, new cooperation uh, deal that they're doing with Iran that's going into place um, this year. Do you know what all of that is in relationship to? Is that what was that road? It's the Belton Road. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's rebuilding the Silk Road, making it official from Africa all the way through Europe, through Asia, into China. China is using their influence, their new gained influence in the UN to basically realign the UN yeah. to specifically support that yeah. Belt Road, whatever it's called. Yeah. And this one talks about, I, I got a couple things about the, the different world power organizations that China is kind of easing their way into the influence of and, and gaining more and more control and to posture themselves more at the top of global politics, geopolitics. Mm-hmm. And the first one I wanted to talk about was the UN. And it specifically talks about that road and that, that strategy to gain influence from China clear to Africa, which goes straight through Afghanistan, mm-hmm. which goes straight through um, Iran. Mm-hmm. That's why they have to make these strategic yeah. partnerships. partnerships. And when the U S is fucking up things like Afghanistan pull out and shit, that just, Leaves, makes it easier. Makes it easier for China yeah. to go in and, and clean things well, up. And uh, before, I mean, the United States could could lean on its strength, you know, yeah. and 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 influence countries, and they no longer have that. Mm-hmm. 
So this one is from thediplomat.com. It says, how China is remaking the UN in its own image. Just a couple things on each one of these. I will post the links in the show notes on the final episode because all of these go into great detail. So we don't have like six, seven, eight hours <laughs> to right, right. dig into all this. It says, China's attempts to make the UN a tool for achieving its hegem- hegem- hegemonic... God, I can't say that word today. <laughs> Hegemonic ambition could end up destroying the body from within. Says the optimism of neoliberalism has been challenged by rising concerns about China playing a more active role in the United Nations and its specialized agencies. Currently, four uh, out of 15 UN specialized agencies are headed by Chinese nationals, including the Food and Agricultural Organization, the International Telecommunication Union, the United Nations Industrial Development Organization and the International Civil Aviation Organization. Those are all, all those organizations in the UN are headed by the Chinese. Some of those that stand out, like uh, the Food and Agricultural Organization. Mm-hmm. China's got the power to say what we do agriculturally in the globally. Yeah. Telecommun- International Telecommunications Union. The, you know, the country that fully supports the censorship of right. all telecommunication and information flow, yeah. they control the organization in the UN that deals with international telecommunication. How yeah. does that make you feel? It says, with its contribution rising to 12% of the UN regular budget, so that's pretty considerable for one country, right. 12%, passing Japan at 8.5%, China is currently the second largest monetary com- contributor to the UN. Probably second to us, I would assume. I would think so, yeah. China's, for now. For now. China's greater leadership role in the United Nations has triggered suspicion that it might take it might take advantage to transform the organization in ways that fit its interest. The suspicion about China's expanding role in the UN has solid foundations, as Beijing has been assimilating its grand geopolitical agenda, the Belt and Road Initiative. There you go. Yeah, that's that's what it was called, the Belt and Road Initiative. So they're, they are uh, assimilating that initiative into the UN's sustainable development goals. So they're basically saying, you know, our Belt and Road Initiative is kind of the same thing as your sustainable development goals. So if... Yeah. If you take what we're doing here and call it your sustainable development goals, won't we be right. kind of doing the same thing here? Yeah. yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah. It says, silencing critics of its human rights record, providing monetary incentives to secure the support of other member states, and bringing more of its nationals into the U.N. So, again, they're they're greasing palms yep. in the U.N. Absolutely. To gain more influence in the U.N., and they're aligning their initiatives for mm-hmm. their... Um, economic expansion yeah. to align with... So they're they're not aligning themselves to the UN. They're shifting the UN's... To align with them. To align with them. So since 2007, the position of Undersecretary General for the United, Station, or United Nations Department of Economic and Social Affairs has been held by Chinese career diplomats, giving the Chinese government opportunities to reshape the UN's development programs in accordance to its interests. According to the Center for New American Security, China has been promoting the Belt and Road Initiative under the guise of the Sustainable Development Goals. It says Liu Zhenmin, the incumbent head of the of DESA, openly claimed that the Belt and Road Initiative serves the objectives of the 
um, Sustainable Development Goals at a High Level Symposium. So basically got up at this major symposium. It's like, hey, this thing we're doing meets the objectives of that. So right. why not all be on the same playing card here? Right. Says um, that that event also endorsed the China-funded programs jointly building Belt and Road towards SDGs, approving the Belt and Road Initiative effect on achieving the goals. Moreover, U.N. Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez assured that the U.N. system stands ready with Beijing to achieve the um, development goals Mm -hmm. at the 2017 Belt and Road Forum. So not only did they get up at the U.N. and say, hey, this meets these standards, but the U.N. Secretary General goes to the Belt and Road Forum and says, hey, we're giving you the nod here because this meets our goals here. And why wouldn't they? Because... The United States can't get their shit together to get their people to come around and be green, right? And do sustainable hell. We're not. We're all fighting against Build Back Better, mm-hmm. whereas China's leading the way. Supposedly. Supposedly. But again, they opened up all these like new coal plants because of right. energy shortages but, this year. But, but their Belt and Road Initiative is in line with the UN's plan. Right. Supposedly. So did you, because you sent me this thing about the Belt and Road Initiative. Did you have anything else about it? Because that was the one, like I said, that's from basically strategically positioning trade between China all the way down to Africa. Right, yeah. And it turns into a big, like, debt. Yeah. Well, and... Debt to China fiasco. And and do you remember the article we read, uh, was a couple months ago, about how the Uganda National Airport... uh, they were in debt to China for yeah, helping them yeah, build they an basically, um They basically pulled back the loan, and now they own yeah, they the own international the airport. airport because they— um, Yes, uh, that's they, the first of many of these. All these countries are going to be in debt to yeah, China. Specifically, these African nations that yeah. are all of a sudden springing up and being pulled into economic status because of these loans yeah. by China. China's going to go back and— and call back those loans, and when the African nations can't pay them, China now owns yeah. fucking Africa. Right. China owns Afghanistan or whatever yeah. country they end up rolling through and start pa- handing out money yeah. and then saying, oh, oh, you can't pay that back. I mean, yeah. whose playbook does that sound like, though? Right. I mean, the U.S. did that to Haiti. The U.S. Yeah. did it to, has done it to all but, these tiny countries around them. In the last 30 years, the United States has been on the apology tour you know, Which they should apologize well, for I what agree. they no, did in I know. Haiti. The United States has done a lot of shitty stuff, but China doesn't care. They're not going to apologize. China doesn't have those same standards where no. they're like, oh, we probably shouldn't have done that. No. China- so, so China is going to own Africa, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm willing to bet— And probably half the Middle East absolutely. on the way. So I would say, again, by 2027, the headquarters for the UN will move from New York City to Beijing— and that China is going to own pretty much every nation in Africa up through the Middle East. With the nod of the UN. Absolutely. With the go-ahead from the UN. Right. And the UN's going to be on board with it. All these other organizations will oh, yeah. be on board because, because it, it, they're it, helping oh. these third world nations become sustainable. <laughs> right. We'll, 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 call, we'll call it that. Sustainable, <laughs> indebted indefinitely yes. to China. Yes. Owned but, by China. But it's all part of the same agenda. I guess why take over, like, form a military um, empire when you can form an economic empire? When right? you can just 
basically by these countries. Yes. Why go send your military, spend the resources to send your military there when you can just basically buy these countries yeah. up by yeah. putting them in, by giving these great incentives like, yeah. oh, you, you want roads, you want like infrastructure and sh- yeah. shit. Uh, we'll, we'll help you out here. We got yeah. this great program we got going oh, yeah. on, this predatory loan yeah. program. <laughs> and then turning us out oh oh we own you now so we're gonna put some factories up in here hey we need to move some troops in just to keep just to protect them right just to make sure they're safe greatest empire ever developed without firing a single shot uh rome rome did the same damn thing well i'm just saying that that's what this is going to be absolutely single-handedly the greatest empire ever created created without firing and no one's gonna know i hit them until it was all said and done yeah but it, it's going to be like all great because this follows uh, the UN agenda because China yeah. shifted the UN's agenda. Right. Yeah. It follows the World Economic Forum because China has a lot of influence with the World Economic Forum. Yeah. China has a lot of influence with the WHO. All these world, where you put world at the beginning yeah. of it, it should have a C at the beginning of it now. It should be the China Health Organization or the China yeah. um, Economic Forum because they have so much pull and influence because of the money that they're throwing yeah. at shit and because they're weeding into the mix and gaining influence from the inside. Yeah, This was the statement from the World Economic Forum about China recently um, because they planned on hosting their one of their forums— in China, because they align so much with what the World Economic Forum is pushing, they're doing so many great things. And there is there's like four reasons why they they deserve to have the Economic Forum right. there in China. It says the World Economic Forum's annual meeting of the New Champions 2019, also known as Summer Davos. So this is a couple of years ago, will take place from July 1st to the 3rd, 2019. So this is months before. COVID-19 okay. outbreak. Just a few months. At Dalian City, northeast China, Liaoning province, says this year the subject of the meeting is Leadership 4.0, succeeding in a new era of globalization. The WF sees its role as improving the state of the world. Right. Do you see that as their goal? Yeah, no. The three-day meeting in Dalian could represent a new chapter, not just in the WEF Asia history, but also in its role as one of the most important non-governmental institutions influencing public and private sectors. WEF's agenda is aligned with the most important economic drivers in the world, such as environmental change, sustainable economic development, new disruptive technology, and the necessity of a new leadership process. We've done several episodes talking about the WEF and... Agenda 2030 and all the shit. So go back and listen to some of those earlier episodes if you don't know what those things are. It says, in the words of the WEF, the new economic drivers require different forms of leadership and collaboration. Leadership 4.0 requires an understanding of how new champions that are gaining economic influence are disrupting and transforming current industry models. Who do you think they're referring to there? China. It says, China is the right place to host such an event for at least... Four reasons. First reason, China just doesn't just play an important role in the international institutions such as the UN for industrial and development, and more recently the UN Food and Agricultural Organization, but it has fostered new international cooperation through its Belt and Road Initiative. So they got the nod for their initiative mm-hmm. from 
the World Economic Forum. Yeah. So you got two of the biggies. Yep. Number two, China showed the world how to design and implement successful policies to reduce inequalities and poverty through inclusive economic growth. That is insane that they say that because there are so many inequalities in China. But they pulled so many people out of poverty, according to China. But you know what China's standard of poverty is? Like extreme poverty that they pulled everybody out of to get us closer to equality? Mm -hmm. $620 a year. Wow. That's what they they pulled. They have like 80% of their people, 90% of their people now not living in extreme poverty, which is $620. Can you... Is that really the standard we want to, to but, of success? But when you there, when you have no personal property, do you really need a lot of cash? That's true, and that just tells me when the World Economic Forum is giving them the nod towards being the best people to pull us out, like what their yeah. standard of us to live on exactly, what they want yes. us to be able to live yes. on. That's pretty shitty. It is, yeah. Well, you don't need you don't need um, housing because it's government owned. You don't right. need a vehicle, government right. owned. Food is dished out by the government. Sure. You know, what do you really need money for when you're all taken care of? Yeah. That's scary. Just That's the fact really that scary. they're like, hey, this look how we equal yeah. everybody is. They're living on $621 yeah. when, a year. And they hold China up as the standard. Right. That scares the shit out of me. Number three. China is one of the leading countries in technological development and innovation in the fourth industrial revolution. I agree with that. Absolutely. They have... Like far past us yeah. in technological development, and then uh, number four, the fourth reason is China is fully aware of environmental challenges. For that reason, the Chinese people, as well as the Chinese government, are eager to incorporate new technologies that will improve China and the world's environment. Right, right. I mean, two thousand eight, they had to plant trees to absorb all the smog before the Olympics because yeah, uh, the athletes couldn't fucking breathe. Yeah. So they planted up like millions of trees around yeah, the stadiums and stuff to, to absorb the smog. And I keep saying over and over again, you can say that they're pushing towards green agenda. They are opening more coal plants. Yeah. They are having more energy crises yeah. than anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. They are they in 2020 took like leaps backwards in environmental improvement. Yeah. So I mean, they are since they jumped on the world stage. They are the main producer of CO2 emissions yes. and pollution. Yes. So, oh, they're, they're taking these leaps and bounds. You mean they're, they're trying to clean up the mess that they created in yeah. the first place? Right. That, that doesn't... I, I, I don't get warm fuzzies for, no. for China and be like, oh, we got to look to them for the example because, oh, they went from... They, they decreased their their uh, CO2 emissions by 60%. Well, they increased by like 1,000% yeah, right. yeah. in the last 20 years. Yeah. And now we're, we're clapping that they, they kind of brought that back down to like maybe normal standards. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about this WF or the UN? No. Of them taking you know, over those. It, it, they're taking them over and they're taking over all these other organizations and they're, they're making these other little teams here and these little, you know. Yeah deals and it's going to get to the point where the united states is going to get pissed off at china and they're going to stand up in the u.n and be like you know what i demand these guys to be kicked out <clears throat> and the u.n's going to laugh them they're going to laugh, laugh at the asses. united states and be like uh no you're done here right yeah like 
the U.S. is so short-sighted. Yeah. Our politics are so short-sighted. Our our international geopolitical like yeah. viewpoint is so short-sighted that we don't even recognize that. Yeah. Hey, uh, they've overtaken us a long time Absolutely. ago. Oh yeah. Like, our we'll ego stand up is like, so big. As the most powerful nation here, yeah. and they're like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Really? Right. Really? You you still think that? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The other one, like I said, was the World Health Organization. And we're running out of time, so I can't I'm not gonna get into this. But the reason why they took over so much influence over the WHO is that we basically didn't give a fuck. We yeah. had other th- way more important things to worry about. Well, and Trump pulled p- funding because he got pissed at him. The well, it started way before that. It started with like Bush because the first says China backs candidate for director, the first director of the WHO that was China backed was in the mid 2000s, 2006, I guess. Bush had just lost the midterms. The Iraq war was a fucking failure, a disaster. The last thing we cared about was who jumped into the WHO's position. And then from there, it just kind of worked its way up. Yeah. Basically had a who cares policy. Uh, All the way up till... Even Trump didn't give a shit. Yeah. Because um, that that person got reelected during the Obama administration, and... Obama has just basically had the same uh, don't really give a shit me- mentality towards it. Even though right at, right before China kind of stepped into that role as head of the WHO, they had another major almost pandemic issue. Another it was like uh, what it was it wasn't a COVID. What was the uh, the SARS? Oh, okay. The yeah. SARS outbreak right. was. Yeah. Right before they got put in this position, so yeah. that that basically got ignored. Yeah, said China a few years earlier botched its response to the outbreak of a flu-like disease, first covering it up and then underreporting results. Does that sound familiar? A little bit. Yeah. So with SARS, they did exactly what they did yeah. with COVID. Yeah, but then we're like, you know, that those people should be in charge of yeah. the world health response. Yeah, even though they so clearly botch health responses yeah. and, and are so responsible for that. And we, we are now in the age of pandemics. Yes. They're not going away. No. Bill Gates called it. Yeah. Obama administration stood by as the pro-Beijing Chan who was appointed who appointed a slew of pro-Beijing bureaucrats during her tenure was reappointed to another term. It says then in 2017 Trump the Trump administration, their only issue with China, the only thing focus on China was trade. Right. When he like he's spitting out all the shit about China, 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 China. It was all trade shit. It had right. nothing to do with any of the rest of this shit. Yeah. And then he pulled us out of a lot of that main influence, mm-hmm. like we said, with the UN, a lot of the influence with the trade agreements and stuff. It wasn't till basically COVID hit that Trump's like, Oh, we can't have these China people in these high positions yeah, because right. and by then it was too they yeah it was too late the damage was done yeah because the the current one the most recent one wasn't chinese he was ethiopian but it's strongly backed by china mm-hmm. was put so basically still advancing that chinese agenda yeah. there it says china's disassembling and 
opacity about the COVID-19 outbreak in the huge central city of Wuhan, aided and abetted by the WHO in the critical early stages of the outbreak, is a scandal whose reverberations will be felt for years. But also a scandal that got covered up for so long, got censored on social media. You couldn't even say the shit. Yeah. You couldn't say it came from a lab leak. You couldn't say that WHO was covering it up because you got kicked off social media for it. So this one also goes into how this one goes deeper into how China kind of started working its way up the ranks towards the top that, you know, that slow movement Mm -hmm. to the top. And it started with Bill Clinton when Bill Clinton basically said, hey, we're going to open trade up with China. Yeah. And then and I think it was 2001, Mm -hmm. 2001, they were allowed into the World Trade Organization, Mm -hmm. which Coincidentally, like a month later, the World Trade Center crashed. That hmm. is ironic. Didn't even think about that. The same year China joined the World Trade Organization, the World Trade Center Crashes. fell to the ground. You think that's symbolic somehow? I, I China probably saw it as symbolic. I'm sure. Like they I did. said, they saw. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they saw it all as symbolic. All this stuff as yeah. symbols of the the downfall of the West. Yeah. Yep. And so when they see the World Trade Organization's main building fall in the West, they're like, they're probably like, oh, there it is, guys. Yep, this is it. This is as it. soon as we jump on that world stage, that falls. That's got to be a sign Absolutely. to us. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, again, I, I think we mentioned it in the first half a little bit that from Clinton to Bush to Obama, it was just kind of that hopeful mentality that that would bring them closer to right. our. Yeah, our morals and our right. like democratic morals. Right. When when they, they see how great democracy shit. is, they'll they'll want it. The people yeah. will fight for it. Yeah, and yeah. it didn't. It wasn't until Trump was like, "Guys, they're taking over the entire global trade. We got to do something." But Trump, I mean, Trump got that part right. Well, but but Trump was thinking like a businessman. Yeah. Right. And a very short sighted. Very short sighted businessman. And not as not a like a Chinese businessman. <laughs> no, not a uh, no. Yeah, no. He was thinking very short sighted. He was thinking like a businessman and not like a politician. Not somebody determined to make sure you get to the top of the world. Right. So you got all of from Clinton till now. All of them are to blame for Absolutely. this inevitable yeah. mess. This inevitable shift from well, America no longer being on top. Yeah. China being on top. And, and just thinking that. You know what? We're the USA. We're the greatest ever, right? So let's go back to the Olympics. Let's because I, I we briefly mentioned Biden's diplomatic boycott of the Olympics, and everybody's like, "Oh, that that's going to send a message. It, it's going to be embarrassing for China to not have the president of the United States, yeah. or or I mean, they've got." The leaders of Great Britain on board. They've got the leaders of Australia on board that aren't going to attend the Olympics doing this diplomatic boycott. All that says to me, it does one thing. It ensures that the leaders of the old guard or the, you know, the 20th century dictators, they're not in the picture. They're literally not in the picture. Right. And China can stand up and be like, where are they all at, guys? Right. Where's America at? Yeah. Where, where's the superpower at? Where's Great Britain at? Where's yeah. Australia? You know, the the big three, where where are they at? Yeah. They're not here. Guess what? We're here. We're here. Yeah. They're not going to stand up and be like, oh, it's a it's a shame that President Biden couldn't be here. And 
I deeply regret my decisions. Yeah, right. That led up to this point. No, he, they're going to take full yeah. advantage of that and Absolutely. say, it's our show now. Yeah. It's literally our show. Yeah. Yep. Hey, you know what? The United States doesn't have the strength right. to do what is necessary, but we do. We're here. And they are symbolically, with the 2020 Olympics, going to take their spot at the top. Yep. And we're not going to be there to do anything yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like that that meme, you know, where it shows the the person like like celebrating like, yeah, number one and like doing the champagne and everything. And then it looks down and they're like on the third step and here's China. And yeah. And then that is, you know, that's America. That is America. When America develops like a new missile and we're like drinking champagne to it or whatever. Yeah. And here's China. It's like, look, we got the U.N. Look, we got the W.H.O. Yeah. We got um, these strategic trade agreements from. Mm. China all the way to we got basically the eastern hemisphere in yeah. our fucking pockets. Three questions for you. Okay. All right, number 1. Do you feel like China has these different alliances, right? Russia uh therefore giving them access to um, you know, Kazakhstan, um mm-hmm. Belarus, uh Iran, um Venezuela, Cuba. Do you feel like they've all gotten together and they each have a part to play in in expanding out? I I yeah. Or okay. I think so. I think I think so, China has strategically positioned them with promises of Right. Being like, "Hey, you guys, you overwhelm the NATO people, right? The yeah. border there. You right. you um you create conflict with the United States here, you know, and 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 overwhelm them. You know, you you get into Turkey's face here, you know, right. and just kind of, you know, creating these different like scenarios that are just keeping people distracted while China does what it needs to do. Yeah. That, I mean, that doesn't, wouldn't surprise me at all. I, I guess my rebuttal question to that is what is a country like Russia? You know, that they've got to be promised. Like that was my second question. A, a <laughs> prominent position here. Yeah. But China again, isn't going to play second fiddle, but no. Russia is not one to play second no. fiddle. Do you, do you see them as butting heads? Uh, yeah. That, well, that was going to be my next question to you is, China is on the world stage. Everybody's mm-hmm. focused on them. What's Russia doing? I like don't know. You said they're they're not one to take second fiddle either, right? Yeah, but but they're allies. I don't see really Russia as being a long game they're, either. No, they're. I not. mean, they couldn't survive the Cold War. Right, right. Yeah, they, they, they couldn't be. They couldn't. They couldn't hold out longer right. than the United States. Yeah, economically. Yeah. So if they can't hold out longer. Than the United States, when China is all about the long game, I see China as making the strategic agreements with Russia just because Russia is right. Russia. Right. And then in turn being like, okay, f- fuck you too. Yeah. Uh, it, once they gain certain amount of power, when, because their goal is to gain prominence all the way across the southern mm. borders of Russia. Right. And once they gain that, they can turn back and look and be like, who the hell are you? Right. And Russia's going to be like, guys, uh, we've been on your side the whole time. I, right. But I don't see China as really giving a shit about that. Right. Yeah. And they don't really need to. So at that point, they won't. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Final question. Okay. Is it going to get to a place where China has um, made enough deals, backroom deals, um, secret handshakes, and all this stuff that it gets to the point where, and everybody is on board with Build Back Better and Sustainable? Mm-hmm. 
the United States is persona non grata. Like nobody wants to touch them because they aren't. I think it's already headed that way, and I think yeah. Trump positioned us that in that direction with his short sightedness. That a lot of people, a lot of these people on the international level, the people that care about the international level, the yeah. the world stage, that care about uh, the the agendas and stuff like that, they're not too thrilled with us anymore. No, but like even like you and I and. I would say a good part of the middle of the United States is fuck build back better. Yeah. Fuck green energy. We, you know, this is the United States. Mm-hmm. Okay. By, by taking that, that view. Right. Whereas the rest of the world is on board with it. Right. Do we become like the pariah in the world where nobody wants to touch us with trade or anything? I think so. Yeah. I think it's going to, Get to that point where we've lost so much influence. If if we keep going on this trajectory right. as we are right now, I I don't like to be negative Nelly or whatever. Yeah. But if we keep in this direction globally, the U.S. is always the black sheep because we allow the right. two opposing forces. When most of these countries that align with these agendas don't allow the the, the opposition. Look at China; they don't allow too much opposition right. there. Right. And so, when you get the World Economic Forum, that's like, "Fuck all your rights. This is the direction we got to go right. to save the world or whatever." Yeah. They're going to align more with the policies of China because, "Fuck all your rights. This is the direction we need to go." Right. And when you get the black sheep of the U.S. Um, that hold such a prominent position because of their financial value, when they no longer are the financial value and China's more of that financial backing and they lose that influence, it's going to be like what you said. They're going to look at us and be like, who, who are you again? Right. We're with our boys over here in China. Right. And so when, when the U.S. steps up and is like, well, we're going to impose a trade embargo on you, and they're going to be like, who? Who? Yeah, right. What? You you think that's going to hurt us? We got this this Belt Road Initiative that that promotes trade, like free trade or whatever. Not free, but right. they'll they'll that call it. Route. They'll make it seem like it's free right. and fair and equitable trade from the e- the eastern border of China all the way across all the way across to the western coast of Africa. Right. What the fuck do we need you for? Right. You're on the other side of the world. We don't yeah. even. We don't even view our history books. Don't even talk about that hemisphere anymore. Right, it's just like a black region. Like you right. don't go there anymore. Yeah, like they don't need us anymore. So it's going to get to that point, I think. Right. So and then when they don't need us anymore, yeah. Yes, I see them being like, yeah, fuck it. Right. So either the United States toes the road, so to speak. Yeah. Or they they toe the line, or they they try to become a, a place of influence and position again, which. We know it's not going to happen. Not without military force, because that's the only yeah. view we see. Right. That's the only mental image we have. Right. Because and without, again, we without, the technology, right. without the technology that uh, we basically shot ourselves in the foot with, what what military advantage do we even have? Right, yeah. I don't know. Where do we, where do we go with this? Do you, think, do you think these Olympics are going to be a big shifting point? A I do. big symbolic shifting point. I do. do you think? Do you think we'll feel it right away, or you think no. it'll be like the 2008 where we're like, oh, look back on it and be like, oh, that's what that yep. was. Yep. No, I think that's exactly. In what like it's a couple be. years or a year from now, everybody else will see it as yeah. that. China specifically will yeah. see it, but like as that. But a short, short-sighted yeah. Americans will look back and in two years and be like, 
oh shit, that's what that thing was. And, and I don't think, I mean, no, no media in the United States is going to see anything happening. No. Because you know, they're I mean, all Fox kissing News their is going to be like rah rah rah, and all the well, the... Fox News is going to be like, oh fuck China, fuck China, yeah, we fuck don't China, need them. China. We're the United States. No, we're 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 the United States. We are the the biggest and baddest of them yeah. all. Who cares about right. China? And then the the other side's going to be like, oh guys, we can't piss off China right. because of uh, of this or that and yeah. cultural differences and stuff, right. and none of that matters. Right? Yeah, <laughs> none of that matters. Do you think yeah. China cares? That we say fuck China? No. no. Do you think you think we have no we have no relevance to them anymore? What do you think China says when uh Joe Biden says, Hey, these are just cultural differences? They probably <laughs> laugh their asses off. Oh, I'm off. sure they do. Like, but but see again, what we did. Biden is such a joke. I mean he, mm. he's got no bite. You right. Know? And and Trump had bite, but he had no vision. Yeah. I, I think Trump pushed them to more power. Yeah. Right. By with creating him the pull, vacuums. Yeah. With him pulling out of the international stage, which none of us supported fully financing these organizations that no. we don't agree no. with. Yeah. But that, like you said, created this power vacuum that yeah. China stepped in and well, because, uh, we did their way, infiltrated yeah. into the international. Well, uh, because, again, out, out of our position of, of our egotistical nature, thinking, yeah, we're the United States, mm -hmm. we thought, yeah, we're making a difference by pulling out. Yeah. That's making people stand up and take notice. Where in reality, they just the well, next big boy on the block came in. Well, we positioned China to be the next big boy Absolutely, on the block. We, we allowed it by turning a blind eye or with this hopeful assumption that they will step into that role as second right. fiddle yeah. and su help support us. Like our economic alliances will make continue, continue yeah. to boost us into the stratosphere in power yeah. when... In hindsight, we look back and we're like, that's not what happened at all. Right. Because China basically, once we opened up this trade, China put super ec uh, tariffs on our imports, right. our exports to them, and then they're selling all their shit so cheap to us. Trump was absolutely right about that. Yeah. And the steps that Clinton and Bush and Obama allowed, yeah. allowed for that to happen. But Trump took all the wrong steps. or. Yeah. And maybe it was too late. Maybe there was no, there was no real fixing it at that point. I I don't yeah. know. I, no, I, I again, I think he he looked at it from a businessman's point of view and thought, mm -hmm. hey, we can hurt them by doing this. Yeah, but in but reality, it's too late at that point. I think. Yeah, and we just hurt ourselves. We hurt ourselves. We fucked ourselves. Yeah, as we tend to do. Yes. Yes. Do you got a positive note for any of this? Do you see? Is is there a future for the United States as? the power still or do you think do you think we should strive to continue to be that power or should we pull the trump route and just focus on ourselves as a country is is it even possible to just nationalize and focus on ourselves with how much global yeah. global if the whole world has gone global can the united states just stay where yeah. they're and no. how much weight we put on like chinese yeah. imports I, and shit i, like I that. think that uh, again the united states is their focus is all wrong you know they're they're they don't want to be number one. They mm. they they apologized for being n number one. Right, right. And so the United States focuses on on making everybody feel included and, sure. and equality for all. And do you, do you think we can become number one without kissing the ass of these globalist agendas, without jumping on board with some of these globalist like we, World Economic Forum? I, I, I think, think it's fully possible. But I, I, again, I 
I don't think the focus is there. I, right. I think it. I think the United States still has enough influence in the world currently where they can change things if they wanted to. Sure. But I don't think they want to. Honestly, I say, fuck the world stage. That's what screwed up the world in the first place with the world stage. I think our country needs to go back to focusing on itself yeah. and producing its own shit, which, call me short-sighted or whatever, I do think it's possible. I think we so won't too. be the The problem is corporations, because right. we won't have... Billion dollar, multi trillion dollar corporations without the world stage. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't need that shit. We, we don't. really don't. Yeah. The problem is can you convince the corporations that? No, absolutely <laughs> not. But hey, there's always space. <laughs> that's true. Let's go incorporate space. Yes. Mars is wide open. We got to get out of here. I don't. I don't want us to fall into the UN agendas and no, the, I don't in the WEF agenda. So that's why I say fuck it, fuck yeah. the world stage. But but as a country, nobody's the politicians, the corporations, nobody's going to go for that. We're going to no. keep kissing ass and playing yeah. that role until we no longer can. And yeah. we just if the United States can 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 embrace its roots, mm-hmm. right, and, and focus on the interior here, yeah. And and building up the interior, I think that it's possible that we don't need the rest of the world. Yeah, that I mean, but I would prefer that. I would too. But again, you have to convince the politicians and corporations sure. of that. Whereas every politician is basically Woodrow Wilson and thinks we need to be on the world stage. So we got the Olympics to look forward to. Less than three weeks away. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that the opening ceremony specifically how that yeah. goes and how the rest of it goes. And how that plays out. So I think we're we're gonna keep an eye on that. And if anything pops up, I guess we'll cover it as yeah. it comes up. I wanted to hit this before the Olympics happen. So this was a good as good of time as any. We gotta get out of here. Don't forget to share us all over social media. Twitter, Facebook, all Instagram, the all the good ones. Share it, like it, subscribe, all that fun, happy bullshit that they tell you that you gotta do. Um We'll be back here next week, yeah. same time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. I wish there was a happier way to wrap this up, but there's not. There's not. But if you have any opinions on China, let us know. Yeah. If you have any opinions on what we talked about, if you think we're all full of horse shit, let us know. That's fine. Yeah. Because we, we even say we're full of shit most, of, most the of the time. We'll check you back here next week. Otherwise, don't forget to check us out for the weekend wrap-up sometime this weekend, where we just wrap up everything that happened in the world, all the yeah. bullshit that's going on. We'll be back live, 7 Central Time, every Monday night. Don't forget, be there, or don't be there, but please be there. Please be there. Please be there. We got to go. Have a good week. Goodbye. The Break the Bell podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back, because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Justin Zielinski, Remzo Martinez, Stephanie Parker, and T.O. Jacobson. A shout out to our sponsors, Run Your Mouth Coffee, the On The Run Podcast, and Goulash Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next week and let us continue to invade your ear holes. And as always, never stop talking.